Hello, and welcome to another new episode of Have We Met with Brett. This is the weekly podcast where I aim to introduce you to your new favorite song or artist. I am a pop music snob. I love listening through the new music. This week alone, there were over 150 new songs released. I have listened through all of them for you so that you don't have to. And I'm going to tell you what you should be listening to right now. Not only do we have some new music to discuss, but we also have some feuds and rivalries this week that we need to talk about. I saw someone online refer to the top five on Apple Music as the messiest top five of all time. I'll get into why in just a minute, but first I have to go through a couple of housekeeping notes as usual, so bear with me. First of all, you can follow the podcast online on Instagram at Have We Met Pod. There is a link in the bio there that contains links to everything that you need, okay? So check out the weekly playlist. I update it every Tuesday when the episode goes up. Every song I talk about today will be there in order, and there will be more songs following that I don't have time to talk about, but that I have been listening to. There's also links to the yearly playlist, the 2024 playlist overall, both on Spotify and on Apple Music. That playlist, as of today, has 100 songs on it for 2024 already. So if you're listening to the same two songs over and over again, get on that playlist, follow it, shuffle it, listen to it. There are so many great songs and artists out there that are just waiting for your ears to find them. And lastly, if you would like to support the podcast going forward, there are a couple ways you can do that. There is a link to my PayPal there. So if you want to shoot me a little donation, I always, always appreciate that. I buy all of these songs on iTunes every week. And so even covering the cost of that is super helpful to me. There is also a link to our Patreon. Our Patreon does have a few special bonus content features on it, and you can get access to those for just $5 a month. But if that's too rich for your blood, there is also an option to subscribe for $2 a month. Like I said, anything helps. I appreciate all the support. If you're listening to the podcast every week, I want to know that you are invested in it moving on. The cool thing about subscribing on Patreon is that your name will show up in the podcast description, so everyone will know that you got lots of money. Okay, I think that's all you need to know. Though, if you're new to the podcast, you might be wondering why you should trust my taste over anybody else's. I will say that I love music. I love knowing the next big thing, having my finger on the pulse, that kind of thing. I used to host a radio show back when I lived in Winnipeg. I would make playlists for local businesses, clothing stores, hair salons, that kind of thing. So if you need a playlist for your business or just for your daily life, shoot me a message. I can definitely help you out with that. I also taught spin classes for over seven years, which meant sometimes making up to 10 new playlists every week. So I'm always looking for what's new, what's exciting, what's going to move people. And we have a lot of great new songs that I want to talk about this week. So let's get into it. If you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, you know that in my world, everything comes back to Britney Spears. And that is why I am so excited this morning to talk about the brand new Justin Timberlake song, Selfish. Now, hopefully by now, you have had a chance to read Britney's memoir, The Woman in Me. In it, she talks a lot about Justin Timberlake and what really went on behind the scenes of their relationship. The most shocking revelation in the book was probably the one that she accidentally became pregnant when she was, I think, 21. And instead of going to a hospital or letting anyone know what was going on with her, only her, Justin, and her assistant, Felicia, knew about the pregnancy, and they decided to terminate it at home. 
Justin apparently said he wasn't ready to be a father, which, I mean, I can understand. You know, they were really young. Their careers were just taking off. It was obviously unplanned. But what Brittany said is that if Justin had said he wanted to have the baby, that she would have. She did not want to have an abortion. She, I think, always had this idea that she would be a pop star for a couple of years, you know, do it for fun for a bit, and then she'd be able to go off and have a normal life, which... Obviously, with everyone becoming so fascinated with her and her personal life, that was never really in the cards. If people had known this was going on behind the scenes back in the day, there probably would have been a huge outcry, uproar, etc. So I understand why they decided to keep it private. There's so little that's private about their lives. But you can also tell that going forward, when Justin tried to villainize Britney for cheating on him, even though he's also been documented as cheating on her... It made her the villain. It made people see her in a different way as this, like, you know, homewrecker or unfaithful girl or whatever, you know. And it wasn't even that Justin just implied that Britney treated him that way. It's that he cast a lookalike in his video, you know. He left no room for interpretation or for assumption. He made sure that people would see Britney as the villain in their situation, where she says she went home to Louisiana and could barely leave the house for months and knew that he was going to parties in LA, you know, enjoying his life, living his life, and that the real story was was a lot different than what was portrayed to the media. So naturally, between, you know, that and a few other things that Brittany mentions about Justin in the book, and of course what we know about Justin and, say, the Janet Jackson situation at the Super Bowl, there are a lot of people out there who <laughs> see Justin Timberlake as being kind of not a great guy. So when it was announced that Justin Timberlake's new single was called Selfish, the Britney army came up with a plan. Britney has a song with the same title. It was a bonus track on her 2011 album, Femme Fatale. It was written by Esther Dean, who you would know from the Pitch Perfect movie. She plays the lesbian character. One of my favorite parts in Pitch Perfect, actually, is when they're doing the riff-off scene and they spin the wheel and it says, songs about sex. And before anything happens, Esther Dean's character goes, na-na-na, come on. She starts singing S&M by Rihanna, which is fucking cool because she, in real life, wrote that song. And as you know, Britney appeared on the remix of that song, and the week that she did, it went to number one on the charts. So it counts as one of Britney's five number one singles in the U.S. So Selfish was only a bonus track, but some of my favorite Britney songs of all time are bonus tracks, actually. She's got so much fabulous unreleased material. So it's kind of special that this scenario has drawn attention to this song. It's 13 years old, it's a bonus track, and for a few brief moments last week, it was at number one on iTunes' Apple Music chart, ahead of the brand new song by Justin Timberlake. There are obviously a few things fueling this. I think, you know, as a fan of Britney, there is this idea that we might not receive any more new music from her. So supporting her music and her artistry is something that we take seriously. It might come across as a little petty or whatever, but I think in this day and age, we just have a desire to hold people accountable, to remind people that we haven't forgotten, you know what I mean? And he's been uh, doing concerts to prepare for his album release and saying things like, it's just show business or, or whatever, you know, nothing personal, but it's hard to take that too, too seriously. And it does seem like he's getting off easy once again, right? So personally, I think it's kind of hilarious to see, but I will be the first to admit that I'm a little biased when it comes to that. <laughs> I haven't actually listened to the new Justin Timberlake song yet. I haven't really wanted to give him any streams or any attention or 0.03 cents or anything like that. 
From what I can gather, apparently it sounds like a Nick Jonas album track. And if you want to hear it, you're going to have to go somewhere else because the selfish I'm going to play for you today is, of course, the 13-year-old bonus track by Britney Spears. This is Selfish. Now, I should mention that this is all kind of fan organized. You know, Britney wasn't out there like, everyone buy my song or anything like that. She actually posted briefly yesterday on Instagram a message that said that she's a fan of the song and that she understands if anyone was offended by what she wrote in her book and that she was sorry if she hurt anyone's feelings. It's a little difficult to know if that's actually Britney talking or if it's someone from her team or even her label. Apparently both her and Justin are both signed to RCA. And there's a rumor that someone from RCA reached out to Britney and said that they didn't want her sabotaging the Justin Timberlake campaign. I have seen a lot of people accusing Britney of sort of living in the past when it comes to this situation. I think more likely what happened is that she wasn't allowed to talk about it for so long that finally when it came out, it seemed, you know, like sort of ancient history. But for her, you know, she hasn't been allowed to speak for so long that it probably felt like it needed to come out, you know. The other interesting thing is that Justin Timberlake was the musical guest on SNL on Saturday, and he did both Selfish and another new song called Sanctified. And the producer who worked on Sanctified with Justin is none other than Danger the producer behind Britney's masterpiece, Blackout. It is a little interesting to me that JT would go to him. You know, he was originally Timbaland's sort of protege, and typically Timbaland and JT work together. But there's also some behind-the-scenes gossip that Danger was mostly responsible for the production on things like Sexy Back or Promiscuous, and that Timbaland is kind of, you know, his name is there, but that he is not necessarily the one doing the majority of the production on those songs. One of the other things that Brittany mentioned in her book that I think is worth pointing out here is that Justin has often appropriated black culture to, uh, I don't know, enhance his sort of street cred or his sort of cool factor. And so if you watch the performance of Sanctified on SNL, he has almost like a gospel choir circling him, you know, throwing their hands in the air. It's a little funny to me that, you know, he's being called out for appropriation, for stepping over, you know, some of the women in his life that he's worked with. And so you would think that his team would have maybe tried a little harder to prevent him from playing into those ideas about him. But it almost seems like he's doing the opposite. He's like courting the controversy a little bit. And maybe that's what he needs to kind of like make himself seem like cool or relevant or sexy again. It's, for me, a little transparent and a little short-sighted. But I am curious to know your thoughts on the whole situation. Now, I mentioned Esther Dean as one of the songwriters of Britney's Selfish. What a bop. Boom, boom, baby. Pick you up in my Mercedes. I love that hook. It is so, so cute. But Esther Dean is also responsible for one of the biggest pop rap songs of all time with Nicki Minaj's Super Bass. In fact, if you listen to that song, you can hear Esther Dean's voice on the chorus. And it would not be a complete messy week without talking about the feud that's going on between Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion. 
It's a little difficult to tell where this feud begins, but the general consensus is that Nicki Minaj has an issue with any up-and-coming female rapper that might threaten her status as sort of the queen of rap, you know? So when Cardi B came along, Nicki was very outspoken about how she didn't think Cardi B had the skills, how she, you know, had one song, she was trashy, she was whatever. And then Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B obviously collaborated on WAP, and that became one of the biggest female hip-hop collaborations of all time, if not the biggest. Before that, Nicki hadn't really given Megan too, too much attention. They even had a song together themselves. But now, she has been outspoken about how she thinks Megan, you know, isn't being checked for on the charts, doesn't necessarily have the skills, the flow, or the hits, or the writing capabilities, etc. And so, in response to all of that, on Megan's new song, Hiss, she references Nikki. Well, more accurately, she references Nikki's circle. Both Nikki's husband and her brother have been convicted of sexual assault, her husband, with a minor. And so in Megan's new song, she says, You're worried about Megan, but you should be worried about Megan's law. It is a law requiring authorities to notify communities of the whereabouts of convicted sex offenders. Megan also goes after rapper Drake in her song, and, you know, Nicki and Drake have collaborated before. But that one lyric, it seems, was enough to send Nicki on an 80-hour-long Twitter rant, where she talked about everything from Megan getting shot in the foot, claiming that Megan would have sex with producers in exchange for beats. And I think the lowest blow is that Nicki mentions Megan's deceased mother, who was also a rapper. And Nikki says that Megan slept with her mother's boyfriend after her mother passed. There are some people out there who think that, you know, referencing someone's dead mom is kind of a step too far or maybe crossing a line. I think historically, you know, when there are feuds in hip hop, they, they have a purpose, you know, that sort of West Coast versus East Coast thing, you know, that goes back a long, long time, right? And sometimes a diss track ends up being a really celebratory thing, you know? Even think about like Mariah Carey and Eminem, you know? Mariah's Obsessed is one of her highest streaming songs of all time. And that is a diss track that's done, I think, in a, in sort of a carefree, I can brush this off sort of way. Nikki is coming at this like she's been really attacked, you know, really hurt, really shaded. And I don't really think anything Megan said is out of the normal for what people normally say when Nicki Minaj's name comes up now, you know? To me, if you see yourself as being, you know, the queen of rap, then you're not afraid of these people who come up who are also talented, you know? If you are sure of your status, then you're also sure that no one's going to come along and just sort of bump you off, you know what I mean? The fact that Nikki has been putting out this reply song, which really is just sort of a, all of her tweets kind of compiled, it makes her look a little weak, you know, in my personal opinion. I also, you know, we just talked about this with Britney where the entire campaign with Selfish wasn't her idea. You know, she wasn't trying to whip the fans into a frenzy. She wasn't saying she needed revenge or anything like that. Whereas Nikki goes about it in the exact opposite way. She knows that she has the barbs. <laughs> She's the Barbie girl, so her fans are the barbs. Her stands, sorry. And she knows that no matter what she does, those barbs are going to be on her side and they're going to do her dirty work for her. They've been doxing Megan, which means, you know, sharing her personal uh, address, phone number, that kind of thing. And, you know, like... It's one thing if it's all fun and games, but when people's personal lives, like you have to remember these are real people, right? And when their personal lives start coming into the play, it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. The fact that one comment from someone that you, you know, you don't like can send you into this tailspin that you take public and you make everyone's business, you know, it's a, it's just a little sad. 
And as a result of that, she has been sending Megan's song higher and higher up the charts because everybody wants to know what's got her so upset. Hiss is now aiming to debut at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 this week, which would be Megan's highest charting debut solo song ever. And a lot of people, you know, are attributing that, like saying, thanks, Nikki, you know, that kind of thing. But Megan also has a lot of goodwill going for her right now because of the Mean Girls movie. She shows up in it. She refers to herself as the Black Regina George in a few of her songs. She's also featured on the soundtrack on the Renee Rapp song, Not My Fault, which they performed on SNL two weeks ago. It seems Megan is using all of this momentum to her advantage. She was on Good Morning America this morning. She talked about how she's going on tour this summer. She's going to be putting out her third album. And while Hiss isn't necessarily my favorite song of Megan's of all time, you know, it reads more like a monologue than it does a song. It doesn't have a super strong hook or chorus. It is an onslaught of attacks, which I think she is doing in part to prove that she has the skills, she has the lyricism, she has the flow. But as a listener, I do prefer her more pop-leaning stuff. Anyway, I'm going to play this for you. You can see what's got Nicki Minaj all upset. This is the new Megan Thee Stallion, Hiss. Don't know how to please me. Bodies on bodies on bodies on bodies. Say he fuck Megan and now he's a topic. These niggas thinking they lowered the value. All this free promo, I'm turning to profit. Hey, when a nigga be kissing the teller. Say he'll play up but he and his feelings. Bet I won't give up the pussy again. Shit, shit. I add it to his friend. These hoes don't be mad at Megan. These hoes mad at Megan's law. I don't really know what the problem is, but I guarantee y'all don't want me to start. Bitch, you a pussy. Never finna check me. Every chance you get, bitch, your weak ass wanna dress me. Bitches swear they cheat, but the G must stand for goofy. When the fuck did all the gangsta niggas turn to groupies? Everybody wanna kick it when you ain't a threat. These niggas don't like me cause they know I'm on their neck. Y'all goofy assholes look so dumb every time y'all celebrate fake news. <laughs> Using my name for likes and views. I don't now you can see what I mean when I say onslaught, right? It is like non-stop. It is hard. It is aggressive. We watched the video. The video is gorgeous. But it is a lot of like energy coming at you nonstop. So I do hope that her album has a couple more of the pop moments on it. I mean, I'm sure it will. She is so good at that, too. So I mentioned earlier that somebody saw this week's top five and they called it the messiest top five of all time. And that is because four of the five songs were Britney and Justin Selfish's and Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion's diss tracks at each other. And rounding out that particularly dramatic top five is a song by a white male Canadian rapper and U.S. conservative pundit Ben Shapiro. It's like an anti-woke rap anthem. I (laughs) am not going to dignify that with a response. Other than to say that almost every time I see someone complaining about people being woke, they misuse the term. They don't really know what it means. I also can't really comprehend disliking something because it's too inclusive or because it considers everybody. The idea that something being woke is a bad thing makes no sense to me at all. I also don't really understand a white male Canadian rapper getting involved with U.S. politics. Like, what is the purpose? If the only reason your music is getting any kind of attention is because you're courting controversy, again... Your priorities are in the wrong place, let's just say. It's funny because I'm not even necessarily like the hugest fan of Megan. I don't dislike Nikki. I just find it a little bit difficult to be on Nikki's side when she acts like this, you know? Like, you're not doing yourself any favors by throwing this fit. And weaponizing your fan base is becoming this like popular trend that just, it makes me a little scared. 
So those are the feuds of the week, the rivalries of the week. I am obviously very much on Team Brittany and Team Megan. If you are not and you would like to tell me why, shoot me a message. I am curious to know the other side of the story. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, hopefully you heard the episode where I talked about Dua Lipa's Houdini and about the Bloghouse influence. Now, the number one producer when you think of the Bloghouse era is Justice. Justice is a French music duo consisting of Gaspard Auger and Xavier de Rosnay. They were in the studio recently with the band Team Impala, and they are back with this song. It's called One Night, All Night. Now, Tame and Paula were also at work with Dua Lipa on Houdini. Their member, Kevin Parker, is one of the co-writers and co-producers of that song. And so my hope is that there's a Dua Lipa Justice collaboration in the wings waiting to come out. But until then, this is the first taste we have of the next Justice album. It is called Hyperdrama, and it comes out at the end of April. The Bloghouse era was all about these rock bands finding a new audience with dance music. And so it's really cool to see Tame and Paula stepping into the studio with Justice. Typically, they're known for more alternative, soundscapey, you know, Radiohead kind of style songs. And for me, like, I like a beat, I like to dance. And so hearing them in this way has given me kind of a new appreciation for them. It has been eight years since the last Justice album came out, and the anticipation is at a fever pitch. I love the album artwork, too. They always use a cross, and this cross is sort of laying down, and it looks like it almost has these hydraulics running through it. It's quite beautiful and, like, three-dimensional. So here is a little clip of the new Justice and Tame Impala. It is called One Night, All Night. One thing that you've probably heard me talk about before is dichotomy. So when a song has a really heavy, grinding, throbbing sort of bass line, and the vocal has this like atmospheric, airy, light, falsetto quality, that's one of my favorite combinations in a song. I find those two styles working really well together there. I like that a lot, actually. It takes you on a journey. It puts you into a bit of like a haze, right? It's about creating that atmosphere. One thing they said about the song is that it oscillates between pure electronic music and pure disco, but that you never really get the two at the same time. It's very clever to put out a single that leaves you wanting a bit more. And for me, April can't come soon enough. I've always loved Justice, and I have such a soft spot in my heart for the Bloghouse era. And it's really, really exciting to see it making such a pronounced comeback. Another artist with a new song out this week who kind of steers towards the more alternative side of pop sometimes is Danish artist Ma, as in M and then the O with the strike through it. Her full name is Karen Marie Agard Orsted Anderson. So it's not hard to see why she shortened it. You know her most likely as the vocalist on Lean On with Major Lazer and DJ Snake, as in blow a kiss, fire a gun. We need someone to lean on. What a bop, honestly. She's also on Cold Water with Justin Bieber. She's had some really mainstream success, but her solo music doesn't necessarily get that kind of attention usually. This is her first new song since 2022's Motordome, which had a few of my favorite songs of 2022 on it. For me, she is a vocalist that you hear. You know it's her immediately. 
she has a great way of kind of painting a picture, telling you a story. And I find the more music I listen to, the more that's what I relate to and look for. But this song isn't to celebrate the release of a new album. It's actually to celebrate the anniversary of her very first. In 2014, No Mythologies to Follow came out. And this is apparently one of the songs from the original album sessions back in the day. It is called Fake Chanel. I was a really big fan of her first album. And so to hear that sound from her again has me really excited. And I like the lyrics too. It's giving kind of like... Material girl, in a way, talking about the fake Chanel century, as in, you know, I think it's about people prioritizing maybe things that aren't real. The chorus is about her waiting for someone to come and save her, basically. She doesn't want to be lonely. She doesn't want to be focusing on what isn't important. She wants someone that she can spend her time with and and give some meaning to her life. It's a cute concept, and I really like the production on this song. It has a lot of energy and Her voice is so unique, one of those voices that you hear and you know it's her immediately, which I think in pop music, especially now that it's so saturated, is one of the most important qualities you can have. So to celebrate the 10th anniversary of her debut album, this is the brand new song from Ma. This is Fake Chanel. just had to google what the nordic countries are because in one episode i said i forget what it was now but i was like oh the nordic artists are always so so strong and my mom texted me and was like that's not a nordic country (laughs) but it turns out denmark is so i'm free and clear and that also provides me with the perfect segue into talking about my song of the week which features vocals from icelandic artist asdis Okay, I was pretty sure I said that wrong, and so I googled the like pronunciation guide. <laughs> Let's try that again, shall we? Have a listen. It almost sounds like she's saying, how's this? Ausdis. Ausdis? Oh, God. I hope she doesn't listen to this. Actually, who cares? Because I'm about to say something really nice about her. This is an artist I've had my eye on for a long time now, actually. She had a song a couple years ago called Feel the Love, which was one of my favorite songs to play in spin class. Super joyful and uplifting. And it turns out she's featured on a few of my other favorite dance songs as well. There was a song out last year called Wow, which samples Bronski Beat's Small Town Boy. And this week, she is featured on my song of the week that comes to us from Purple Disco Machine. It is called Beat of Your Heart. German producer Tino Piontek has been releasing music as Purple Disco Machine since 2012. For me, he's one of the most consistent producers. I almost always love his style. You can tell it's him right away. There's always a disco influence, but it never sounds dated or tired. He's done official remixes for Dua, Kylie Minogue, Lady Gaga, really, really big names. And last year, he won the Grammy for Best Dance Recording for his remix of Lizzo's About Damn Time. No word yet on whether Beat of Your Heart is the first single from an upcoming album or maybe the follow-up to 2021's Exotica. I hope so, because I'm looking through the list of release singles from Purple Disco, and it is like a greatest hits of my favorite songs from the last couple years. You've probably seen their name around, but if you haven't, 
It's time for you to meet Purple Disco Machine and my pick for song of the week. This is Beat of Your Heart. So if you were going to label Purple Disco Machine as like a genre, that genre would probably be new disco. And I would say nine times out of 10, when Daryl and I are hanging out at home, we put on a new disco playlist. It's usually really easy to listen to, good background noise, good energy. You know, it's just a really nice way to fill the space. It actually, it makes me think of, I don't know if you've ever been out to Rosalinda for dinner. It's a a vegan Mexican place. It's a great restaurant. It's really trendy. It's really like modern and bright and open. And we went there with my mom last year when she was in town. And for some reason, they were listening to Journeys, Don't Stop Believing. And I was like, what? (laughs) That is like the exact opposite vibe that this restaurant kind of gives, you know? So the waitress came over and I was like, hey, can I... um, what can we do about the playlist here? And I offered to bribe her with $20 to change it. And she was like, oh, I know this one manager's on. I'll see what I can do. Like, what do you want to hear? And I was like, I don't know, Purple Disco Machine. So she put on the This Is Purple Disco Machine playlist for me. It was so, so great. And literally, it was just like, it just played through. We got the remix of Hold Me Closer. I was such a happy little camper. That's actually happened to me a couple of times where I've been out and been like, what were they thinking with this playlist? I remember one night we went to the Maddie Matheson restaurant, Prime Seafood Palace on Queen West. And it was the same thing. Very like classic rock, like what you would hear. You remember those ads where it was like, here are all your favorite rock songs from the 80s that you haven't heard in whatever long. And the only reason you know those songs is because they would play the chorus in those ads. It was basically that kind of on shuffle. And I said to the waiter, I was like, I don't know, like, it's a really like modern vibe in here. But the music and he like rolled his eyes. He looked like he wanted to die. He was like, don't get me started. It's the same thing every night. So I just like to take this moment to remind you that I make playlists. <laughs> I love to figure out what the vibe of a place is. I could recommend one to you, what you should be listening to in your, your place of work. If you, uh, if you need a little assistance with that, just let me know. I am here to help. Though, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess we went from 80s classic rock to like 70s retro (laughs) futurism. So maybe it was kind of the same thing anyway. All of that stuff is so cyclical. And I do feel like we're going through a big wave of 80s nostalgia, especially since The weekend had Blinding Lights. Like that became one of the biggest songs of all time, right? The place I've been seeing it recently, and I'm always looking for queer influences in music. The influence I keep seeing pop up is to the Pet Shop Boys. Now, I wasn't really paying attention to the Pet Shop Boys until they showed up on the Ollie Alexander New Year's Eve special last year, and they did their version of It's a Sin. Since then, I've been seeing their influence everywhere. You would have heard it a couple weeks ago on the podcast when I played the new song by Bright Light, Bright Light. You want my sex. It has that very 80s synth retro kind of sound. And this week we have a cover of a Pet Shop Boys song from the year 1990. It comes to us from Canadian queer artist Robert Alphonse, who goes by the stage name of Trust, T-R slash S-T. 
And he dropped a surprise EP this week that features a cover of the Pet Shop Boys song, Being Boring, which features the Scissor Sisters' Jake Shears. Trust is actually originally from Winnipeg, same as me. I got to meet him at his concert in Winnipeg a few years ago. When I was there in dance school, one of my teachers was his Aunt Gail. And he has this really grungy, underground, like, electronic sound. And it was so cool seeing her at the concert. It must have been after midnight by the time it ended, and we had class in the morning. It was so funny. But I remember after the show, she took me backstage. I got to meet him, tell him I was a fan of his music. It was really cool. He has this really distinct voice. It's almost like, I don't want to say monotone, but it's very bassy and gravelly, which... I really like that he brought Jake Shears on for this cover because Jake Shears is is a more bright, pingy, almost tenor kind of sound, maybe even higher than that, really. And I find they balance each other's voices out very nicely on this version. The song, Being Boring, was originally inspired by a quote by Zelda Fitzgerald. She was married to famous American author Scott Fitzgerald, Scott F. Fitzgerald, who wrote The Great Gatsby. But she was also a famous novelist and painter in her own right. She had a quote where she said... She refused to be bored, chiefly because she wasn't boring. Basically, the idea is that you can't be boring as long as you remain curious. Neil Tennant, one of the Pet Shop Boys, originally wrote the song as a reflection about how bittersweet it was to be experiencing the peak of his success during the peak of the AIDS crisis. In particular, he was inspired by the death of his close friend Chris Dowell. There's something a bit emotional about hearing it in a modern way with these two queer people who, you know, have been able to live their dreams, you know, largely because people like the Pet Shop Boys paved the way for them in the first place. It's all it's all making me a bit emotional this morning, I have to say. It's been on my mind a lot, actually, since the Madonna concert, because part of the show, she did a really moving tribute to people she lost from AIDS and, and then, you know, people that we lost during the performance of Live to Tell. And that really, it really affected me. The idea that, you know, we lost an entire generation of queer people, right? Every dream that they had, all the color they brought to the world, all the art they could have created, you know, it makes me think so much about what life would look like if we still had all of those people, right? How much further along we'd be in terms of society and and art in general. I'm going to play you a part of the third verse that places us squarely in the 1990s, and you'll understand through the lyrics what Neil Tennant was trying to say and how relevant parts of it still are to this day. This is the new Trust and Jake Shears, their cover of the Pet Shop Boys being boring. All the people I was kissing, some are here and some are missing in the This new EP from Trust was apparently a surprise release, and he says that it is the precursor to a full album that is on the way. He said the album is going to be bigger, better, more beautiful, and buried in mud. There is also apparently a new Pet Shop Boys song coming next week, but you'll have to tune in to next week's episode to hear it. I do like to shine a light on queer artists when I do this podcast, and so I only have time to talk about two more songs, and even though there are, I think, six or seven more that I would love to play for you, I am going to focus on queer artists to finish us off today, okay? 
The first comes to us as a collaboration between the greatest band on earth. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know I'm talking about Muna. And they have a collaboration on the brand new album coming from Empress Of. I've also talked about Empress Of on the podcast when her song with Rina Sawayama came out. It was called Kiss Me. That will also be included on her upcoming album. The album is called For Your Consideration, and technically it is her very first full-length album. She's only released EPs through some smaller indie labels. She has apparently gone fully independent and is releasing this full-length album all on her own. It's coming out on March 22nd. Apparently, the title track was inspired because she was dating an Oscar-nominated director, and as he was announcing his four-year consideration campaign, she realized that the relationship wasn't really going where she was hoping it would go. She is coming to Toronto at the end of May. If you love the podcast and you love me, you should consider buying me a ticket. I would love to go with you. She's been a favorite of mine for years, and I really love this song, too. I'm looking forward to hearing everything that she has on our way. This is the final song from her new album. It is called What's Love? This is Empress Of featuring Muna. If love can't make you break you, shape you, then what's love? gotta say, enlisting both Rina Sawayama and Muna for your album showcases a level of taste that I admire. I have a lot of Empress Up songs that I've loved for a long, long time. And, you know, we've seen artists go independent and find great, great success recently. You know, Ray is the perfect example. And so I hope that she can break into the mainstream a little bit more. You know, that's the whole reason we're here, isn't it? Trying to get you to be a little bit more familiar with some artists that maybe you either haven't heard of or just haven't given the right amount of attention to. I think Empress Of is someone who deserves your attention. And while we're on that topic, I have to say our next artist is a name that I have seen pop up quite a few times. And while she does have a couple songs on my playlist... This is the first song of hers that's really grabbed my attention. Her name is Fletcher. I mean, her full name is Carrie Elise Fletcher, but she goes by her last name. She put out a full-length album in 2022 called Girl of Your Dreams. And again, there were a couple songs on there that I liked, but there wasn't anything that really blew me away until right now. Now, Fletcher is openly queer. She dated apparently this famous like YouTube girl for a little while. She's released songs about that girl's now girlfriend, which is very petty and very funny. And while this song has maybe more of a rock feel than what I typically lean toward, I really love the lyrics in this one. It's called Lead Me On, and it basically is saying something is better than nothing, you know? Like, even if you don't mean the emotions that you're giving me, I want you to pretend. It's giving very, like, love fool a little bit by the cardigans. Love me, love me, say that you love me. (laughs) The new Fletcher album is called In Search of the Antidote, and it also comes out on March 22nd. And it is the last song I'm going to play for you today. This is Lead Me On by Fletcher.
I don't know. Like I said, normally I don't associate myself with like rock music, but it has great energy. I really like that melody a lot too. I find it very catchy. The last couple of days I found myself sort of like humming it in my head. <laughs> and it was a packed week for new releases. So if I keep coming back to it, that must mean something, right? Speaking of, I didn't have time to play everything that I wanted to play today, and this is a great time to remind you that you should follow the weekly playlist on Spotify or Apple Music. The links to both of those playlists are in my Instagram bio at HaveWeMetPod. And my playlist for 2024 just hit 100 songs, okay? So if you like what I play on the episodes and you want more new music from me, more music recommendations, that is where you should go right now. Follow those playlists. I put a lot of work into them and a lot of great, great artists are waiting for you to discover them. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. I hope you had fun. I know I did. It's cute kind of breaking down some feuds and some fights and also hopefully introducing you to some brand new artists. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate the support. If you had any thoughts about what I played this week, any opinions on those fights, any songs that you think I should have played that I didn't, shoot me a DM and I'd love to hear from you, okay? Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll see you next week where I will discuss everything that gets released before this New Music Friday, okay? Thank you again for listening. It was so nice to meet you.